What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Brox. Brox, haven't been on one in a while. How are we feeling? I'm feeling good. I just listened to uh, Edwin Diaz's uh, entrance music. I'm all hyped up. That little narco song that he plays at City Field got me all going for this podcast. I'm ready. <laughs> Edwin Diaz, he's got some great walk. I mean, probably like out of all the active relievers right now, I think definitely um, – one of my favorite. I'm definitely a fan of uh, that. Listen, he's pitching better, so if that works, it works. Yeah. But uh, today, like I said, we haven't really been on here. I mean, the last time we were on here, we were recapping a live no-hitter. But we're back on today to recap this past week, really weekend, another weekend of baseball. And I think we're going to start it off with some of the most exciting baseball that we've really seen. I mean, we had seven games in the past, what is now, 11 days between the Dodgers and the Padres. And, I mean, they really did not disappoint it seemed like every single game almost was like that playoff atmosphere. Uh, I'll start with you, Brox. I mean, like, what about like that Sunday night baseball game yesterday? I mean, it's seven one and one, like the seventh inning, and the Padres just don't quit. It's just, and they end up winning this game. I mean, I think we honestly might have like the, a new like best rivalry in baseball. Yeah, no, I I said it yesterday. I was I was pretty uh, happy the Mets aren't in the NL West because I just feel bad for the Rockies. The Giants and the Diamondbacks, man. Like, the friggin' Dodgers and Padres. Great baseball, honestly. That was such a fun game to watch last night. Um, that's, a, that's a crazy rivalry, man. Like, yesterday, I think they used, like, 40-something position players or just players on each roster, like, in total. Um, it was just a crazy game yesterday. It was a Sunday night game. Um, of course, ESPN got the spotlight. A-Rod was sounding like a clown all day. Um, yeah, no, it was it was some game, and I was surprised, man. Dodgers blowing a seven-one lead, and uh, the Padres coming back. It was I, I didn't even know what to say. It's they've had some crazy games. I'm just I'm just glad we get to watch it this year with fans in the stands too. Yeah, I mean, even now this is going back like almost a week ago. I mean, that game that they had like last Friday, the first game was also insane. I mean, you had that play, um. That, that was the game where, like, it goes into, like, 11 innings and then the Dodgers kind of break it open. Then I think the next day was when Mookie Betts made, like, that game-saving catch uh, in the ninth inning. I mean, and then the two games before um, Sunday night this past weekend, Fernando Tatis goes deep twice and then he goes deep again. Five, five home runs in 30 days breaks, um, the, like, it was some record. I forgot exactly what it was about hitting, like, five home runs in the three-game series. I think it was a Padres record. But, yeah, man. I think it just kind of goes to show you, like, both these teams are on the rise and they're meeting at the right time. And, I mean, obviously, iconic rivalry. You'll go back to, like, Yankees-Red Sox. But, I mean, the Red Sox are kind of lacking a little bit, like, the past couple of years. Obviously, they've been playing pretty good baseball this year. But, like, it just – that Dodgers-Podgers, you're always getting that playoff atmosphere. And you're getting some sparks flying a little bit with kind of Trevor Bauer and Fernando Tatis. But, I mean, listen, I'll give Trevor Bauer a little bit of credit. I know you probably won't at all because – I mean, hard to like the guy, especially and especially uh, what he did to the Mets in the offseason. But I give him credit, at least, that he kind of, like, accepts him a little bit. And he's kind of like, listen, if it's going to get more people talking about baseball, like, I'm okay with it. And he kind of did make a good point, I think, when he was saying that, um, like, look, you're not going to go look at me, go throw at somebody after they kind of show me up a little bit. Like, you know what I'm going to do? Like, the next time I strike him out, then I'm going to go do it. And that's just, like the competitive part. And I kind of did respect that about him. I kind of did like that. Cause it's, it's cool. To, I don't, I don't like, maybe it's like an old timer, like, like an older thing, like where it's like the unwritten rule. Like the, you got to throw at the guy after he kind of shows you up. But like, you know what I mean? Why can't it just be like, you just keep showing each other. You know what I mean? Show some emotion. 
Yeah, no, you know I don't like Bauer. Um, but I like what he said, saying that how he likes that um, Tatis was showboating when he hit a home run off him. He's allowed to celebrate, you know? You know, they shouldn't be boomers saying, oh, just run the round of bases, hit a home run. Tatis allowed to do whatever he wants. Yeah, he did the, the close the eye thing. He did the McGregor strut, make fun of Bauer, and Bauer respected it, which he should, because the guy went deep off you twice. Um, I, I like that Bauer did that. I mean, I was I expect him to do that because Bauer is more of a entertainment guy, which is that the only part of him I like. But um, hey, that was that was good. Um, also, the controversial thing with Tatis, apparently, like uh, I think it was a second home run where it looked like he looked back at the at um I think who was behind the play? I think it was Austin Barnes um, at his uh mm-hmm. at his pitch call for Bauer and. That was sparked on uh, the internet. I don't know. I don't know if he looked at um, the sign or not, but yeah, no, crazy things happening with that series. But yeah, no, I definitely did see that. Uh, I kind of like watched watch the video too. Like somebody like explained it too. Like it doesn't really look like Tatis like could have seen the sign by the time like the sign went away. But like he kind of does see the catcher. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it was Barnes or Smith. I don't know who was catching that day. I know Barnes caught yesterday, but um. Yeah, you, you kind of see him move. I mean, dude, that pitch was like three, like like that pitch was a solid amount off the plate. Yeah, even if that one yard, even man. if he like looked at the at the sign, it was a curveball outside of the zone. He pulled it. He hit it dead center. I don't care. Like honestly, it's not like he was. I mean, yeah, he's cheating, but it's not like the Astros where they're using an illegal camera. He looked, and the, I mean, if he saw the sign, he did. But I don't. I don't have a huge problem with that actually. Um, yeah, he was, neither, neither do I. I don't. I don't no, think I don't have a problem with that. But I think the bigger thing is him hitting a home run off that an outside curveball that he put dead center. So uh, I, I'm just glad that Tatis came back and he's friggin' flying off the rails again. This guy, oh, he's gonna be the face of baseball in the next few years. He's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, listen, we were talking last week, and like we kind of, uh, last episode, we kind of gave Acuna a lot of love, and Tatis was hurt, and Tatis comes back. He's like, hey, what about me? One thing yeah. I will say about Tatis, I mean, he's not hitting for a great out. Like, he's in, like, I mean, it's still so early in the year, but he, I mean, obviously the power is there. Fernando Tatis has struggled, like, a pr- like a lot in the field. Tatis has nine errors already in 15 games. It's like the oh, most, wow. like, 1983. And I feel like for a guy, like, obviously he has a great arm, but like for a guy who's like, at a shortstop position, I mean, maybe this is also a little biased because I see my guy Glaber Torres getting beat up consistently <laughs> about the defense. But like, that is one thing I guess maybe I'll say about Tatis to try to watch him call it, to try to encourage Glaber Torres a little bit and be like, it's all right that it's all right because one of the best shortstops in the game also hasn't been yeah. great defensively. But uh, I think one two, one thing too about like Dodgers Padres, I mean, dude, these two rosters, specifically the Dodgers roster. It's just like it is just head over heels above every other roster in baseball. Like it's it's unbelievable how much depth they have on their roster. Like David Price comes out of the pen like like it's not like Dustin May is their number five starter. Yeah. Like that makes no sense. Dustin May has the best stuff out of any number five starter. I'll go maybe in the history of the MLB. Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how much you can fact. I mean it's unbelievable. It's just, the strikeout that he had on Cronworth. Uh, on like a slider, disgusting. Yeah. His two seamer is nasty. I mean, Julio Urias has pitched unbelievable this year too. I think he threw like seven innings of one hit baseball like this past Monday. I mean, he's their number four. Like it is crazy. And I mean, yeah, the the Padres have just as good of a roster too. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's as good, but like 
They got a deep bullpen, too. They got Melanson down there, Emilio Pagan. And then, obviously, their starting rotation is pretty good. I know, obviously, Clevenger's hurt, but, like, I mean, that's just another team that – it's crazy. What the, I, I honestly think you could argue that these two teams are the two best rosters of baseball. And, I mean, that's, it, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that these two teams are playing such good games against each other. Yeah, dude, I watched the game last night. and I, I watched these past – what, seven games. I forgot – that Bellinger was on the Dodgers. I forgot the Dodgers had Bellinger. It's, it's unbelievable. Their best. I'm not gonna say their best player. I mean, honestly, besides Betts, he's their second best player. I would say. Um, I forgot they had Cody Bellinger. Uh, I mean, no, the Padres. They have a great. They have a decent roster. Like, they have a really solid roster. They're not gonna win the division. The, the it's the Dodgers division to lose at this point. It's the Dodgers league to lose. But no, the Padres put up a really good fight this week. I mean, they're winning the season series against them, which is which is pretty cool. But I think that the NL is just, it's everyone versus the Dodgers. I mean, you're going to have the Padres. You're going to have what it seems like the Brewers, um, the Mets and the Braves. It's the Dodgers are ridiculous. It's not it, it like they're, I think they're like last reliever last night was Jimmy Nelson. And Jimmy Nelson, like four years ago was like a top of the line starter for the Brewers. Like this is like some ridiculous stuff they've going on. I don't know what, I don't even know who their GM is, but this is some crazy it's team. It's the I've guy from Washington before. Who used to, he used to be the Rays GM. It's Friedman, like Andrew Friedman. The oh, guy's a genius, man. Um, I don't know what to say. If the Dodgers don't win all this year, then huge disappointment. They're setting yeah, themselves up for it, honestly. Because, I mean, obviously to repeat so hard, but I don't know. They're, they look they like also- they're uh, – I don't. I don't want to cut you off. No, you're there, good. You like, dude. dude, they also have a, a boot dog Gatterall and the Gratterall or whatever, however you pronounce his name. I didn't even like. I guess he might be hurt because I didn't see him. Like I feel like I didn't see him all weekend. But um, hey, where is he? Yeah, man. Like this is like it's unbelievable. Obviously, like they 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 pull guys out of nowhere. Like that kid um the new guy McKinstry, Luke Rayleigh. Like these guys are. Like, it's like where do they get these? Guys? Yeah, they have a random um middle infielder. It's gonna be an all star in two years. Zach McKinstry, whatever. He'll be good in the year. What's his name? Clayton Kershaw starts to come up the pinch in next inning. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> that was funny. I Ryan, Ryan Weathers first, too. Ryan Weathers was trying to run into one. Yeah. But I, think, I think that was pretty funny to kind of see those guys, those pitchers hit. I mean, I bet you the pro DH guys right now were like, oh, if we had the DH, this would never be a problem. But, I mean, some of the fun things to see in baseball, you know, I mean, Ryan Weathers taking a huge one-two cut in a tie ball game at a pitch that's at his eyes. But uh, listen, we got a ton of Dodgers Padres is really this past week and a half. They probably don't play. I don't think for the rest of them, like for a while now, but definitely when these two teams play, it's much must watch TV. I know the first weekend they didn't have the primetime game, but they did give them the primetime game this past weekend. And I think they, they should always be in primetime because I mean, like we said, when these two teams match up, they are unbelievable, but let's keep it out. West Brock. Let's talk about another team. That's real hot out West. I mean, the win streak did come to an end. They did win today though. The Oakland athletics won 13 games in a row. They started off 0 and six and I'm not going to say like red yeah. flags went up, but I mean, you get swept by Houston. Then you lose a couple to the Dodgers. I mean, it's really – it's impressive what Oakland's doing. Their pitching hasn't been phenomenal, but they got two guys on their offense, and Matt Olsen had one of the biggest surprises, I think you could say, honestly, of the MLB season, Jed Lowry. Guy's 17 RBIs. It's unbelievable what he's doing out there. Well, I'm just glad that he's woke up because when I picked him to win the division and they go 0-6 start the year, it was a tough look on me. 
But then when I realize that they're winning 13 games in a row with Jed Lowry, who was the past two years was dead on the Mets, and now he's back to being a an all-star, apparently. It's ridiculous. No, I, it snuck up on me. I didn't realize we had a 13-game win streak until I'm, I'm not, they were on Twitter. And, like, the Orioles, like, they, Orioles lost today. I'm like, all right. I go on the A's Twitter, and it says 13 in a row. I'm like, when did this happen? No, I mean, good for them, man. They, uh, I just love their just every year is a scrappy team. They just, after losing Liam Hendricks in the offseason, and they still somehow find a way to just keep on winning. Um, good for them, man, except for Jed Lowry. Mets wasted $20 million and <laughs> have six at-bats, and now this guy probably has more RBIs this year than the Mets have run scored. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, him and uh, Matt Olson both have 17 RBIs carrying that Oakland A's offense. I mean, yeah, another team, too, that, like, in the offseason, there was, like, whispers of maybe they move on from Matt Chapman. I think he has, like, uh, two years left after this year, Chapman, yeah. or something like that. So, with the A's, with him coming up on arbitration, that's a team that doesn't really love to spend money. So, you can definitely see them moving on for a package. But, listen, if they're going to compete, they got to, like, they got to take advantage of this window. I know Trevor Rosenthal has been hurt for them. I know you mentioned Liam Magics. They bring Trevor Rosenthal in. Uh, hasn't been able to use him because he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely. I, like if their starters too turning around. I mean, I think I, I wouldn't say that this team is necessarily like a bad hitting team. But I would normally like this roster. I feel like they're eight. They have pretty good pitchers in. Uh, Bassett, uh, Manaya's pitched pretty well. But then like Lazardo and Frankie Montas both really haven't pitched good at all. So like I mean, if those guys start to turn it around, even like now, like they start getting hot, I still think it's their division to lose. I mean, obviously. It looks a lot better for them with this win streak, but like you know what I mean. Early in the year, it was a, little, a couple of red flags. Yeah, no, I I think it's still even. I mean, yeah, they lost the, the opening series, I think, to the Astros. Um, but yeah, no, it's their division to lose. The Astros, they don't they don't scare me this year. Even just after the first series, I've just said, no, I don't know why I just repeated that. Um, the Astros don't scare me as much this year. I mean, I know Altuve was out for a little bit, but they're pitching, man. Like, they just, I just watched the game. Oda Rizzi um, pitched the one batter that came out of the game. Um, who who was hurt for them? Was it uh, for the Astros? There was a starting pitcher. Frambois Valdez. Frambois Valdez is out, too. But yeah, they, I don't think the Astros are going to – I mean, they're going to put up a fight because that's what they always do. But I don't – I think it's the easy division to lose again this year. And uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, it's our picks, too. I hope our pick uh, stands true this year. Yeah, listen, if it doesn't stand true, I hope the Angels take the division. I think the Angels are a fun team yeah. to watch. Haven't been great. I know the Astros beat up on them the other day. And I, I think it was the game Odor Rizzi pitched. Actually, uh, what's his name? Ken Emanuel is the guy's name. It's like the yeah. longest relief appearance in MLB. I tied the longest relief appearance in MLB history. Do eight and two-thirds innings after that. Yeah. I give up two runs. So good for the ridiculous. guy. But, uh. Yeah, I mean, the Angels, what you call it? The Angels, obviously, will always be exciting to watch with Shohei Otani. Otani's been getting kind of screwed with, like, starting because, like, the first time, the first game, it got rained out on a Sunday. And then the next Sunday, they got canceled in Minnesota. So it was like, he was always, like, they just didn't want the guy to get back on the mound. But hopefully, he can regain his schedule. But yeah, I still think Oakland's the better team in that division. And even without Dexter Fowler for the uh, Angels, um, I still think, I still think the A's take that division. But uh, let's move on to the NL. I think you'll be happy about this and start shedding some light on a guy who definitely has been getting a lot of credit, but I mean, it's just honestly unbelievable. What do you go? What do you go? The complete game with 15 strikeouts the other day. Take it away, Brox. 
with yeah, your boy so, Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> yeah, my boy Jacob DeGrom started Friday night, Mets Nationals. Um, after the Mets got swept by the Cubs, and the Mets needed a big game out of him after a pretty bad series, um, mainly defensively for the Mets. And DeGrom, uh, before the game, I was thinking, like, like what are the odds DeGrom, like, throws a complete game? Just not even, like, just for fun. And then this guy goes out there, gives up two hits, 15 strikeouts. I'm pretty, yeah, no walks. They absolutely dominant. Two base, first of all, two base hits, has an RBI double, puts gets the Mets' first run of the game. He was doing everything for them. It was absolutely ridiculous. He was pumping 100 in the eighth inning. And then I think it was the ninth, no, in the seventh inning. He like he struck out the side in the sixth and the seventh. And then the eighth and the ninth. I remember Ron Ron Darling said it maybe that DeGrom like toned it down a little bit. He was throwing like 97 instead of like pumping <laughs> up to like 100 just so he can get ground ball outs and get through the game quicker, which is like, I didn't think of it at first, but it was like ridiculously like smart for him. Um, no, this guy has been all year. Three straight starts of 14 strikeouts or more, or more at, at this point. Um, he's been ridiculous. And I don't know how he does it every year, how he gets better. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be a biased fan, but you can say a little bit. No, dude, dude it's, cra- it's crazy, man, because it's, like you said, every year he just comes out and gets better. How many runs has he given up then this year? He's given up, what, three or four or two? Um, He gave up. Two earned and only two earned runs and four starts. He has well, like a point, and, and he has two RBIs. And, and, he has, and he has two RBIs. It's unbelievable. Well, he like he's faced a hundred batters and he struck out fifty-one of them. I think he struck out mm-hmm. more than half the batters he faced. But the only problem is about this is that the Mets play like absolute crap for him. Defense besides Friday, I guess. I mean, they didn't have to do much, but defensively, they can't hit for him at all either. They just. They decide to not show up whenever he, whenever he pitches, but I don't know. No, it's Guys a shame. Only good thing it's a shame that us. it's it's the degra- it's the Degrom treatment sometimes that when yeah. he plays, the whole team's literally like, all right, let's pack it in, boys. We'll, we'll take care of the rest. But listen, like we said, I mean, we haven't seen a pitcher win MVP. I mean, I'm pretty sure now this is since what Kershaw. Yeah, Kershaw, 2014. 2014. I think Verlander won it like a couple years prior in the AL. But yeah, man, I mean. Listen, what do you, he's got two Cy Youngs under his belt. I mean, I think the last thing that he really needs – like, I don't even think – he doesn't even need the MVP. But, I mean, you give Jacob DeGrom an MVP. I mean, his his stretch, at least, since, like, 2018 to now. Like, if he, w- if he were to win an MVP this year, let's say, from 2018 to 2021, that four-year stretch, I think, can compete with almost anybody. At least recently, it definitely topples everybody. But, I mean, that's one of the – best four-year stretches of a pitcher in Major League Baseball, especially where the game's going. Obviously, the strikeouts might look a little better, you could say, because now it's just more of a strikeout game. But, I mean, you can also say now it's a home run game. And look at all the hitters hitting home runs. And his ERA is still unbelievable. I think his ERA since the start of 2018 is like 2.08. Like, it's disgusting. I mean, absurd. Yeah. And, like, I won't put him on this level, but, like, Garrett Cole, obviously one of the, another one of the best pitchers in the league. I mean, like, I, I, just, I never knew what it really felt like to just watch a dominant pitcher for my team really go out for a while, it seemed like since like Sabathia was in his prime, go out and just shove it for seven innings. And obviously I know Cole gave it the other, the other whatchamacallit like on like Friday. And I'm like, wow, man, this is what Met fans really feel like every single time or Saturday was with Cole. But this is what Met fans feel like every single time that the ground comes on the mound. Cause like, you just know, you know what you're going to get. You're just going to get dominance from him. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's, 
it's it's crazy. I, I had to ask my dad if like if he was reaching like Seaver levels because obviously Tom Seaver is like the best pitcher in Mets history. But I just wanted to know if like if if he was doing something like Seaver was. I mean, I think he's probably a better pitcher in a Met uniform than Doc Gooden was. Um, and even like a, with again with Seaver, like Seaver pitching a a pitching error, man, where, like, it was just – it was a pitching-dominant error. Now DeGrom won two straight Cy Youngs and was a finalist last year in some years where the ball was flying. So mm-hmm. it just it just adds on to his resume, man. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm just I'm just happy to get to watch him play. I mean, the Mets aren't – don't make me too happy, but at least you have to watch DeGrom every five days. So that's uh, – I get to enjoy that. Hey, listen, aren't the Mets in first place though right now? And they are in first place. Not gonna, not gonna let that down. But it's early though, and they gotta pick up the hitting. So we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, talk about teams that need to pick up the hitting. Also, uh, the other New York team definitely needs to do that. But mm-hmm. let's keep um, let's kind of. Sh- I, I still want to show some love to another guy in the National League. Who I mean, listen, the spotlight's on Jacob Degrom. I think this guy's real like getting a little overlooked i mean corbin burns of the milwaukee brewers really came into his own like towards like the, like the middle of august last year like the really september last year i mean this guy also has 49 strikeouts in 24 innings i mean he kind of got screwed into a loss this year too i think he gave up like one run in the game that he lost he's two and one only has a 1.53 era i mean the brewers are kind of a sneaky team in that NL Central, I mean, they have Brandon Woodruff, too, in their rotation. But, I mean, with Woodruff and Burns, I mean, that's one of the most underrated one-two punches in the league, if you ask me that. Dude, they do not get enough love. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Corbin Burns, like, I think it was last week. It was, like, whatever DeGrom did with, like, 15 strikeouts and, like, two hits and no walks. And Burns did one of the same thing, like, two starts ago. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know, like, the actual stat. But, no, he's been really good this year. Actually, Today he got roughed up by the Marlins. Actually, um, really, he did. He got four runs against the Marlins, and they got shut out. Wow. Um, but no, the Brewers. I don't want to get away from Burns, but the Brewers are surprising me a little bit. They look like they're the favorite NL Central over the Cardinals, honestly, with their pitching, with that one-two punch of Woodruff and Burns. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, I think that I think they're they're like one-two. And the rotations could be the reason they win their division, like solely. I know they have Yelich, but I think like actually Yelich is hurt. Um, I almost forgot about that too. He hurt his back. I think Burns and and Woodruff can really uh can really ride the Brewers to an NL Central title. But no, Burns is ridiculous. They got those shed. Does. That's and listen, that's another team you don't want to see in the playoffs, man. Because I mean, in the back end of that bullpen, Devin Williams obviously won Rookie of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. He was untouchable, and Josh Hader too. I mean, they tried to go, mm-hmm. they tried to throw that like bullpen game. I think it was like game one. Yeah, they tried to do it in game one last year, and they didn't have Devin Williams in that postseason because of like forearm tightness. But yeah, I mean, who know, in a playoff series that 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 is a tough tough team to go against, like from the from a hitting standpoint for other teams. Because I mean, mm-hmm. these guys are real good pitchers. And, yeah, man, with a division that's wide open, I mean, the Cubs haven't played great this year. Uh, the Cardinals, I mean, obviously at the top of that division, probably the biggest threat with the Brewers. So, yeah, definitely a wide open division. But I definitely wanted to shout out Corbin Burns. And uh, I guess I guess we'll shout out another guy as we go into our next topic. I mean, we'll shout out both these guys because, I mean, the Arizona Diamondbacks gave up one hit in a combined 14 innings yesterday to the Atlanta Braves. Zach Gallen, another one of the most underrated young pitchers, I think, in the MLB 
for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He pitched a great game, game one. And then Madison Bumgarner comes game two and throws a no-hitter, but it doesn't count as a no-hitter in seven innings, which I kind of think is – I think it's unfair to the poor guy. What do you think about that? Um, I think they should count as a no-hitter, but you should probably let, like – like the official score and I'll be like, oh, no, no, but like seven innings. Yeah, you like noted that it's like a seven inning no hitter. Like, obviously, like any no hitter, seven or nine innings is a great feat, but I think you should definitely like write down if it's only seven innings. But no, I got to give it to Mad Bomb. I mean, the guys kind of fell off since he signed with the D backs, but throwing a, a seven and no hit innings against the Braves lineup is. Uh, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, no, definitely, definitely pretty impressive. Listen, I saw that Braves lineup in person the other day. Quick flex, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, it's a good lineup, man. No doubt about it. But to shut them down, I mean, they just had a tough day at the ballpark. I think this was Saturday, or was it? Honestly, it might have been yesterday. I can't remember Sunday. the time I had not. Yeah, what's well, that? Was Sunday? Yeah. But um, listen, I personally think that this is going to open up more of a discussion, maybe about this seven inning doubleheader rule, whereas like. Because I think potentially if more people like maybe maybe somebody like what if somebody's perfect through seven innings now and you know what I mean? And that and it just ends like that that stinks, man, for that pitcher. And I think that maybe if if Bumgarner was perfect through seven, then it gets a lot more noise and maybe like the rules, because I personally I do not like the seven inning doubleheaders. I understood it last year. Listen, it was 60 games. You got to get those games in often so especially with those teams that had to get canceled with covid like the cardinals had to make up an absurd amount of games in such a short period of time then look then i get that 2020 was a crazy year we're happy to have baseball so stick with the seven innings for that and go with that Mm -hmm. but now i don't know i just don't love how a game can end in the seventh inning i just think it takes away from it a little bit and like with an extra guy on your roster too with 26 guys like you could even add the art like the biggest argument I feel like against it too was that like, oh, your bullpens are going to get taxed during the regular season if you have to play a double header. But all right, first of all, you have an extra guy on your roster now. And in addition, you get the 27th man for a double header. So now you have two extra bullpen guys really where as compared to like two years ago, you didn't, but you're still playing. You're playing four more, four less innings. I don't know. How do you feel about that seven inning rule? I see last year. I hated it. I was like, oh, seven innings. Like I thought that was BS, but this year I've realized as from a Mets fan standpoint, if I can have a, a doubleheader and I have DeGrom going in one of them, <laughs> I know I have seven innings down locked. And I just need seven more innings from the other game. So I don't hate it, but I think, like, it's so, like, yeah, obviously my standpoint, yeah, but I just realized, like, oh, you can go both ways. I, it just it takes away it's, from the tradition. It, it takes away from the traditional does. field. So, like, Obviously, like I don't think like a lot of the old school guys will like it. I think I think I have a little bit of old school in me that definitely like doesn't like that. Like I don't I don't know. I just don't love the, I don't love the idea about that. Yeah. And then I kind of wanted to talk about like the other rule. Like what about the what about the runner on second base? Because obviously that happened yesterday in the Dodgers game, and I forgot the exact per, I forgot the exact percentage on like the amount of times whatever the whatever the percentage was. It was just a crazy stat that just kind of like proved that like there really hasn't been a lot of like deeper extra inning games which is what they wanted to avoid like a lot of the games have just ended after one inning which in a way yes that does speed up the game but I I think it's like kind of a sour note and even like if you go back to that game against the like the first game Dodgers Padres that like you know what I mean like who would have want like who wants that game that game was so intense that 
Padres take the lead in the bottom of the ninth. The Dodgers take it in the top of the ninth. Padres take it back in the bottom of the ninth. And then it's just like, why do you want to like ruin it by starting a guy on second base? Like that's a playoff atmosphere type of game. Like, you know what I mean? Just let them play it out. Yeah, I uh, I don't love like extra inning games that go like 16, 17 innings. Um, but I don't like how the, as soon as you go to the 10th inning, like the ninth inning, you're going to have most likely you're going to have the best relief pitcher and both teams go. So no one, I mean, hypothetically speaking, you're not going to see a run the ninth inning. And then you go to the extras and then, boom, someone's probably going to score a run there. I don't like the advantage for the away team because I feel like you're the away team. Um, you score a run, all right, you're by a run. But then you have to, like, then the guy up, up for the home team the next inning is automatically the the go, the go-ahead run, the game-winning run. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I think they can just solve all their issues. Are just letting it starting that in the eleventh inning. Let the tenth inning happen, just normal baseball. And then eleventh inning, yeah, if it's still tied, which then just do the man on second rule. I just think that could fix all the issues. I don't. I know we like speed up baseball. I guess sometimes some games are take a while, but I don't. I don't love it. I don't really like it. Nah, no doubt. I'm in agreement with you. And I think, yeah, I was going to be maybe a little bit more lenient. I was going to say maybe the 12th inning start that. Mm-hmm. So you get two innings of regular baseball and then go into that. But, yeah, I even heard something on the Yankees broadcast tonight. Which, I mean, Michael K made a pretty decent point. I mean, if you really want to play devil's advocate, a guy could go, a guy could throw a perfect game and technically not get a 10-inning perfect game and not get recorded as the perfect game because he lost. Because – Say those nine perfect innings, then they go to the extra innings, right? Ground ball to second, the guy moves over, uh, sack fly, and then a strikeout. He didn't give up, he didn't let up a base runner. He was perfect yeah. through 10. And then what if his team goes and loses that? Then it's a one nothing loss and he doesn't get credit for a perfect game. Like, that's crazy if you ask me. Like, and that's not even like, at least give him the chance in extra innings, you know what I mean? But like, that he would literally have thrown a perfect game. I don't, I don't know. I just think that's such a which one. I think that. I, I, and personally, too, I, I agree with you with the advantage, too. I think that, like, the home team, if you ask me, has an advantage in that way. Because, yeah, if you score one run, the away team, then automatically the game-winning run is at the plate. Or, I mean, even if you only score – if you score one run, if you ask me, as the away team, it kind of feels like that, like, the inning. Like, I don't want to say it's a failure, but, like, you didn't do enough, if you ask me, because all that – all the home team then has to do is move them – get them over and get them in. And then you're already tied. So, like, I just think – I think it's – I think it helps the home team a lot in that extra inning thing because of that reason because like you kind of already know then what you have to play for yeah no i like it was last week i was it was the mets cubs and the mets didn't score in the top inning and i i automatically knew the mets were going to lose because yeah. all the cubs need to do is move a guy over and hit a flat ball so it's not like it takes away from the fun but like it drains a team like if you're the away team you don't score a run like i'm not saying you think you're going to lose but you're, you all you know you're like damn like we're we're about to lose. That's really you're you're you know you're about to lose at this point. It's it's uh, it's a tough rule. I I get why like they're doing some of this stuff, but I don't know, man. I don't know. No, definitely definitely something I want to I want them to go under review for next year and potentially maybe change it or just like look at it and maybe get a little bit more feedback on the fans and kind of get them a little more involved and see what they want because I think I feel like a majority of people would say that like the the sec guy on second, like starting it right away. I don't know. I just think it's a sour note. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. And mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? But then again, you look at a game like yesterday too, 
like the Dodgers, what's one? The Dodgers and the Padres both didn't score in the tenth inning. So I mean, granted, both of those teams had a pitcher hitting in that inning, but you know, like yeah, so that's true. But, uh, it does it does open up a little bit of strategy, I guess. That like if you get the first out of the inning, then you walk the second guy because then you want you set up a double play. So I mean, I, I like I guess that's one argument that you could make. Like, should you walk? You know what I mean? Or like if the or if it's first and third, then like then you just walk them to get the to set up a force at home. But then you got to bring the infield. And listen, I think it's I just I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to pull at strings here to try to figure out yeah. what I think effective about it. But I don't love it. Uh, but listen, that's not for us to decide. But listen, we'll keep watching. And thank God it's not in the playoffs. I think that would obviously oh. I think that would completely ruin it. Thank God that would ruin the sport. That would ruin the sport 100. percent Could you imagine? Tenth inning, poor Ch- Chapman's jogging out for a second inning with the Yankees after blowing it in the ninth, and he's oh. got a pitch with a guy on site. Like that would just be brutal, especially too like closers. Like it's so like it's easier to steal on closers because like they're normally longer to the plate and stuff like that. So like yeah. that guy could like potentially just steal third right away if you have like a speedy pinch runner on your bench. Oh my god, that'd be brutal. Yeah, that'd be terrible. I could not imagine that. Oh, well, at, le- at least they got that right. But uh, let's move on to kind of probably be our final topic. The other day, kind of something that I saw yesterday that I definitely want to talk about, and it kind of will talk about uh, more of the Yankee stuff. But I saw a rumor yesterday, Brox, that listen, it was brief, but Aaron Judge, his name, Aaron Judge's name came up in trade talks this past offseason when talking with the Angels. And I mean, my mind instantly went like, <laughs> if you're gonna trade, like, where, who does that net? You know what I mean, Judge. Since that 2017 season hasn't really been completely 100% healthy for a full season. I mean, he's getting free agency in the end of 2023. So, I mean, I think that'd be crazy. I mean, who do you think that the Yankees could have gotten? Like, what names, when the Angels were like, yeah, uh, Aaron Judge, what names do you think the Yankees were like, okay, I think, like, like it, it, this, it has, the list has to start with this guy. Well, I'll say I have experience of my star player being put in a prelim, like prelim trade talks with the Grom a few years ago. But uh, I would say that they, the Yankees would have to definitely start with Joe Adele because obviously I want an outfielder back. I would say every like honestly, besides Trout, that's all hands on deck for the Angels. That's my guess at just the, for the trade talks. I would say Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh were definitely on the table. Like thrown around there because they're two outfielders, young, um, they're top prospects. Maybe even Jared Walsh was on there too. Um, I I don't know because obviously you said like judges. I I know Judge is a great player. He's had some injury issues and he's he's a free a free agent. In what like two years? You said yeah. The end of twenty twenty three. Yeah. So after this so, year, he has I mean, two more. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess if you're. I guess Judge would probably re-sign. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna say he didn't get traded and sign wherever he gets traded to. But um, I would guess he would sign with the Angels if he does end up getting traded there. But I don't mm-hmm. know, man. If you're with the Angels, you're gonna give up three of your top prospects, and they have some good prospects. I don't know. I mean, Adele, Marsh, and Walsh, maybe someone else. But that's if I'm the Yankees, man. I would, I would listen at least. That's a, that's a crazy get. Really? Now, personally, now personally, I don't think like I don't think the Yankees would even entertain like entertain those guys. Listen, Joe Adele, I think he's gonna be a phenomenal player. I definitely think Jared Walsh would be in that trade because like he's a lefty. The Yankees 
obviously need left, like would want a left-handed bat to play in their stadium too. Uh, I think like as crazy as it is, like Otani, if you ask me, I don't get how the angels could ever like part with Otani, but like if Otani was in play, I think it gets a little interesting. I definitely think it gets interesting, but I think Otani would be off the table. I think Trout would be off the table and I think Rendon would be like, I just don't think Rendon would get dealt in the deal. I think David Fletcher would probably be a piece in the deal too, that the Yankees get. And like, maybe like, I mean, now I'm going crazy. Now I'm speculating, but like, maybe this was before the Yankees had signed DJ LeMahieu too. And they kind of saw David Fletcher as like a younger, cheaper, like, like alternative to David, to DJ LeMahieu. So who knows? But yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll ever, I don't think they'll deal, end up dealing judge. I always think, think judge is going to be kind of like a Yankee for life, but maybe within like yeah, really the past, like, so years, it's kind of like, like, yeah, I mean, but in the last couple of years, I feel like it kind of hasn't seemed like, I mean, after his rookie year, they built the judge's chamber and everything. And like, he stepped into like that Jeter-esque role that was mm-hmm. lacking for a couple of years. But like, now I feel like it's not like definitively like judge's team. Like, I still think the Yankees are t- like our judge's team, but like, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like because like necessarily he's like confirming that it's his team. I think it's more that there's nobody like else to step into that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas a couple yeah. years ago, it was like, oh, this guy just hit 52 home runs. It's Judge's team. Like this guy's gonna be mm-hmm. the face of baseball. Which I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Judge. When Aaron Judge is healthy, he's one of the best players in the sport. I mean, his arm, he walks a ton, hits for power. He's a, got a cannon of an arm. Great guy, like in the media. Great guy in the locker room. But yeah, definitely like. I think it was definitely something pretty crazy. I think obviously like when something like that gets leaked too, it's interesting to see how guys deal with it. But uh, I think it's also interesting that, that though, that the Yankees were willing to go to like, like to even like, I'm not going to say they even entertained it, but like the Yankees, like they're, they're willing to like change up their roster. And I think like after like the past couple of years that the Yankees have kind of came up short a little bit in the playoffs that they're like, maybe not too certain if they're going to win with this team. Like, I really think that if the Yankees like don't go well this year, I think, for sure, I think like Corey Seager will like they will throw any amount of money that they want to Corey Seager to bring him in, and I think their roster will look really different in 2022 if the Yankees come up short again this year because it's kind of like again like it's just like they just kind of will believe that they won't they can't win with the roster that they have, which is, would kind of be a shame. Yeah, actually, that I didn't even think about that. That makes that makes a lot of sense, honestly. I mean, I would expect a guy like Sanchez to be be dealt after this year if maybe doesn't have another good year another year um after a few oh. tough years for him i mean maybe they got maybe they move stan i mean i know his contract is ridiculous maybe they try to move him somehow um yeah i, I can definitely see the yankees moving some parts over this year but no i want to go back to what you said about judge how like it's not like the Aaron judge of like his rookie year like i like kind of like link him with like alonzo right now both guys had great rookie years. They both hit, I mean, one had 52, one had 53 home runs. Mm-hmm. And those were like the faces of their team. Like they're the face of, of their city at that point. They were the face of the city both of those years. Like 2017, it was all Aaron Judge. 2019, it was all Alonzo. And then now, and now, like, now, like, I don't know, like last year, Alonzo had a bad um, sophomore year. Um, Judge was hurt last year. Was he hurt last year? Yeah, he was hurt last year. Yeah. Um, it's just been like, inconsistent years. I mean, I guess a year for Alonzo. I mean, inconsistent years from both of them. They're like, you don't know, like, what direction, like, they're going to, those teams are going to take with them. Like, the Mets, like, I don't know. So, I mean, Alonzo's actually having a good start to the year, so I'm not, like, worried about him. But, like, if he doesn't have a good year again, I don't know if the Mets 
try to deal him and they make Dom Smith their first baseman. I mean, what about the Yankees? Maybe they judge has another injury riddled year and then they trade him and then they move Clint Frazier as a right fielder. So definitely a lot to think about for New York sports. I didn't even think about that. You put this all into perspective now, Pio. Jeez. And listen, I mean, if you want to keep comparing them, like neither of those guys were like big prospects coming up too. So like their first years were like even that much more shocking. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like Pilon was like a top five prospect in baseball. He was like, he was like a good name in the Mets system. Like judge was a good name in the Yankee system, but like you weren't expecting this, but listen, the Yankees, I mean, they've looked, they've looked real bad at some points this year. They've, they played a little bit better. They played a bad game tonight. I mean, I could have told you, that if Matt Harvey was on the mound against the Yankees tonight, they were going to make him look like 2013 Matt Harvey, which he pitched pretty good. He gave him one run six rises. innings. Yeah, the Dark Knight Rises. I mean, they got they got screwed. I mean, we talked about replay. Now, now we talked about replay last um episode. I think this was, or maybe two episodes ago. Two, I yeah. mean, the fact that Aaron Boone couldn't overturn that play because apparently he was too late. Uh, that was complete. That was chaos. If you were, like. That's just so annoying. Like, what is the point of having a replay again if you can't replay that? First of all, I think Aaron Boone should have just challenged it right away, right on the spot. Like, it's that important of a play. And second of all, this ump completely blew the call. I mean, it was brutal. The guy, DJ LeMay who scored, the, the umpire didn't even make a call yet at third base. Like, that can't like – you like, it has to go off the third base guy's call. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't even start his call yet. How do you miss it? And then to not even let, like, Boone challenge because you said that, oh, he didn't, like, run out of time. Boone was furious. He got tossed. I mean, hopefully it kind of lights up the Yankees a little bit because, like I said, they've been playing a little inconsistent. I mean, we got Ruge Neto Dora as our four-hitter hmm. tonight. But, yeah, definitely a team, too, that we both picked in the AL East that uh, it's got out slow. Look, I don't think anybody's, like, over-panicking. But definitely, like, um, you know what I mean? Definitely, like, something to keep your eye on, at least. Like, when they can turn it around, at least. Yeah, I would say one quick thing is, like, with the gray area with, like, the replays. Like there's no timer that it says, oh, how long Boone can have to, to um, to review the play. So that's why like I don't understand it. Like how if dump it's the umpire's discretion, I guess, so that he can't that when or he he can or he cannot um review like the most recent play. So mm-hmm. I, I got, that's why I don't like replay. Like have a timer at least on the like they have timers for um the time in between innings. Have a timer for how long you can replay the the last play. Like, that's, like, more of, like, the same issue with replay, man. Like, that's what I don't get. And that's, like, more teams get screwed. Like, Yankees got screwed tonight. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I didn't want them to win. I wanted Matt Harvey to get the win tonight. But they got screwed out of that because that was more replay um, crap that happens like this. So, it's more BS that I don't get why baseball it doesn't look into right now, even during the season, just to fix it now. Yeah, man. Because, like I said, it's something like this – like, if this game – was in September, and like I know that that run was technically, it was it was like it wasn't to tie the game, it was to watch them call it, it was like to make them down by one. But I mean that's still yeah. like a huge swing. Now in the ninth inning, it's coming up one swing, it's a tie game. But yeah, yeah, I mean if like that game is if this is a September game, I mean with a lot, God forbid it's a playoff game. You know what I mean? Like you have to get this right, and like that's like another thing too. Like it was like in between the innings, so like at least like if it's like you're the fielding, like you know what I mean? You have like your batter can step out, not really like exactly like come in but like you know what I mean like in between innings it seemed awfully quick too that like the guy like like I don't know like I was watching it and like I was wondering like even like Michael K like they thought for sure that um DJ LeMay who scored and then 
like because the inning was over because Judge was out at third clearly. But then ten seconds later, they panned to Aaron Boone getting tossed out of the game, and everybody's like, "How could Aaron Boone be getting tossed out of the game? Like, what's the reason?" And the only thing that logically made sense was that they called the runner out, but then uh, that he didn't score. But it's like, how could he possibly have not challenged it then? It was like it was pretty obvious, I think, in real time too that he scored. Yeah. But that's besides the point. We talked about replay; they have to fix it. Hopefully. Like I said, the Yankees can turn this around because they have a lot of um, sluggish bats in their order. I know uh, the game that I was at on like Wednesday, at one point on the scoreboard when Odor came in to replace, like he came in for our shell and they moved a couple guys around. At one point, the Yankees four through or three through nine hitters were all under 200. So that's not, that's not, that's just not ideal when you're the New York Yankees. You know I mean, they got a little hot in Cleveland this past weekend, but now they've lost two in a row. Hopefully they could turn it around. But uh, listen, at least we got the we sacrificed the Yankees for the Knicks. We no, sacrificed New York sports for the Knicks at this point. Yeah, man, unbelievable. That's, and hopefully that sacrifice doesn't continue. Hopefully the New York Jets and the New York Giants can uh, turn it around this week on the draft. And that kind of it's going to wrap it up for this week's episode on the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I uh, just wanted to let you guys know too, the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition will be coming out. Now this is going to be coming out tomorrow on Wednesday, and we're going to have an eight-person mock draft on there. I know Brock's will be on there. Brock's has the fourth pick in our mock draft. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're definitely going to try to give a, try to give a little bit of a live draft feel like that. But uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Brock's, anything you'd like to leave off with? Uh, my last thing is give the umpires the mics that the NFL refs have so they can explain to the crowd what the call is, all right? Mm-hmm. That's just the thing I got in my head. That just bugs me, and I think they'll help out baseball in a big way. Good night. Yeah, I think I, I think I think I'd like the crew, at least the crew chief for sure. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's true. In baseball, I think should definitely have the mic, but uh, that'd be pretty funny too. You can kind of hear a hot mic sometimes on the field, but who knows? <laughs> hot mics aren't great for everybody. Yeah. But uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram. Like I said, take care, everybody. Have a good one.